0: It was the dawn of the third age of mankind, ten years after the Earth-Minbari War. The Babylon Project was a dream given form. Its goal, to prevent another war by creating a place where humans and aliens could work out their differences peacefully. It's a port of call, home away
1: from home, for diplomats, hustlers, entrepreneurs, and wanderers. Humans and aliens wrapped in 2,500,000 tons of spinning metal, all alone in the night.
0: It can be a dangerous place, but it's our last best hope for peace. This is the story of the last of the Babylon stations. The year is 2258. The name of the place is Babylon 5. Hello, and welcome to Chats, a television podcast. Season 6, Slot 5. My name is Alan, and folks, I'm going to be real with you for a second. The universe is run by the interweaving of three elements. Energy, my co-host Magellan, and enlightened self-interest. Mm. Welcome, Magellan. How are you?
1: Um, you know, I'm good. I, um, I've realized that what I really want is... is
0: yeah. 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 Nothing. For a little bump and grind. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all want a little bit of R. Kelly's bump? Well, maybe.
1: Well, well <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's open for debate.
0: Um. Hey, man. How are you? I'm well. I'm starting to think about us doing a fake pitch for a Kickstarter video where we're like, well, here's the thing, folks. We launched... Schmigeldorf three years ago, in a with just a garage, two guys and a dream. Now eighteen years later, we've raised over eight dollars. That's insane. And there's like the twinkling music in the background, like do doo doo, doo, doo doo ding ding ding. And it's like, I'm gonna turn it over to my my best my partner in crime Magellan. You ever you ever step on a
1: tack? Man, that sucks
0: give us money (laughs) (laughs) kickstart video hard clothes cut to black scroll down pay us (laughs) anyways welcome to our podcast folks we watch babylon 5 two episodes a week and this week we watched season 1 episode 11 survivors as well as season 1 episode 12 by any means necessary We watched it by any means (laughs) necessary also.
1: (laughs) It was pretty easy to find the means, so it wasn't too bad. Very straightforward. Yeah.
0: We're going to start by talking about Survivors, which was written by Mark Scott (laughs) Zikri. Sure. Directed by Jim Johnston, airing May 4th of 94 and taking place in June of 2258. Magellan, what happened in Survivors?
1: In this episode, there is an explosion in one of the fighter bays, days before the president is set to visit Babylon 5. A dying man implicates Garibaldi, which is just what the head of presidential security wants to hear, as she blames him for her father's death. Alan, what
0: what did you think of Survivors? Well, John, I'm glad you asked because this show can't go anywhere if we don't <laughs> talk to each other. Mm, yeah. So Survivors is weird. I, I, I feel like now that Babylon 5 is getting comfortable and it's sort of day-to-day, uh, things just kind of happen and then we, we, it feels like sometimes we're just walking in on a day in the life. And I like that. I think that's one of the, my favorite things about season one is that all of these plots don't feel huge, but the sort of moral lessons of them and what the characters are, what we're learning about the characters are all important things. Um, so, for example, like this one, we have the president coming to Babylon 5. And everyone's trying to be good and wear good outfits and look and, like, get the ship put together. Except uh, I think it's kind of funny that these two episodes paint Babylon 5 as just a, just a mess. Just a very messy ship with very little, uh, with very poor management and, like, barely hanging on by string. Mm -hmm. Um, which I like because, you know, it is that. It's, you know, the Earth Alliance didn't give them a lot of money. They don't have a lot of support from the government. We see that over and over again. And I think that kind of government oversight and lack of, like, support systems uh, lead to some of the best moments in both of these episodes. Um, This episode, though, does focus a lot on our boy Garibaldi, Mm -hmm. uh, which I was excited to see and realize because I think he he was due for a big episode for himself, a big showcase. Uh, and that actor definitely gets a lot uh, like out of the action of this episode. He gets to move around a lot. He's in a lot of places and talking to a lot of people. Um, but it just... There's a lot of like... Pro- I just have like a lot of minor problems with the plot moment to moment. You know, even, even just the yeah. fundamental like... Liana is going to basically put this guy in jail because she thinks that a thing he did 30 years ago went a certain way when it didn't actually... Because she doesn't believe him. Uh, but what did you think?
1: This episode suffers from the fact that we... No Garibaldi. We know that he didn't do it um, because it's just not what shows do. They don't have one of their main characters try to murder the president or whatever. Um, We also know that, what's her name again? Major Kemmer?
0: Something Um, like that. I wrote, Liana.
1: Liana. Liana Kemmer. Yep. Um, We know that Liana's upset about what happened to her father and she blames garibaldi and so we understand that the arc the character arc of this episode is he gets exonerated and she apologizes to him and they reunite and we know that it is going to end up being committed by somebody who you know either we didn't know or it doesn't matter so it's hard to invest in this episode moment to moment in like the main plot of it and you can find things to appreciate about um about Garibaldi's performance because i think that that actor is fairly believable in everything that he does mm-hmm. um he always feels really grounded and i think he's funny um so i enjoyed watching him but the episode itself it was like oh, okay sure
0: yeah it, it kind of just it just happens to you you're like yeah this is all this all goes exactly as planned i think the avenue that i wanted to talk about or, or wanted to go down in this discussion was um specifically what we learn about garibaldi and and that in his relationship to sinclair because um what comes out of this whole kind of mediocre plot about an assassination plot and an explosion on the ship and all this high drama is uh garibaldi is continuing Babylon 5's uh, recurring character of the sad man. Uh, There's a lot of just very sad men with like shady pasts on the show uh, between Londo and Sinclair already and probably Shakar and and now Garibaldi. Um, So he was on a mining operation on Europa with this guy, Frank, and he didn't know anybody, the languages. He didn't know any of the culture. He didn't get along with anybody at this job. He did it because, you know, as we saw in a previous episode he got fired from a lot of jobs so this is where he just ended up was working on a mining operation um frank gets in an accident that seemed preventable and garibaldi was there at the time and part of the reason he thinks he wasn't um available to save frank's life was because he in his depression developed a serious alcohol problem Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and so he thinks that he just you know he's been kind of racked with guilt about this the whole time but like he acknowledges that like it was not my fault. I'm going to feel that forever because I wasn't available, but like, I couldn't have realistically fixed, you know, human error from somebody else up top. Right. Um, so we know that about him and it, I love this whole, you know, finding yourself and finding companionship on an isolated place. Cause Europa is what? That's like a moon of Mars, I believe. Um, mm, something like that. Very maybe cold place. Maybe. Very just like, I just imagine it. It's, it's one of those things where it's way more interesting in my head than what we see. Um, Moon of Jupiter. Jupiter. Yep. Sorry. We both looked it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moon of Jupiter. And it's just very like sad and it's like oh well that's that's like where he found himself and he you know he saw Liana as one of his kids and they and she calls him like Uncle Mike or whatever. uh, And we get that really corny scene later where he's gone back on the wagon fallen off of the wagon again yeah. to use a term that the show uses and uh, he looks up and sees her as a child and she says like drinking again Uncle Mike. <laughs> drinking again uncle mike so just, you
1: te- you texted me about this episode and you said that you didn't like the way that it handled his alcoholism yeah what? well tell me more about that
0: it it's it's kind of about how it uh it wraps up i think if we can we can kind of jump around cuz there's really not a lot um at least in my notes about like the plot of this episode you know he asks people to help him out a lot of people deny him he runs away he jumps into the into the down below um hides there for a while gets drunk again gets caught and then catches the criminal like by accident basically like stumbles into catching the the actual bad guy mm-hmm. but um he like i said when he's in the down below he there's this really in my opinion really corny shot where he's sitting at the bar next to another guy the other guy leaves and leaves him a bottle of something some like whiskey or whatever uh some scotch and he like has the bottle in front of him or the the glass and then he like looks at it for like 10 seconds and then just drinks it And it's this very obvious like we are watching somebody slip into alcoholism again Mm -hmm. um, because how do you – and he says this later in the episode. I think this is the part where it works is he says it was so easy because it felt good at the time. It Mm -hmm. felt good and right that like, yeah, this is what I would do when somebody from my childhood is bringing up a harsh memory that I have and I'm being like my job is being threatened for the umpteenth time is of course I'm going to drown my sorrows in alcohol um so that stuff works i think just in isolation works really well um it's specifically yeah like the end where he's he quote unquote saves the day they catch the other guy cut cut cutter or whatever and sinclair basically pats him on the back and says like hey great, great great job buddy i don't have the exact lines here but he's basically saying like um i'm yeah crawling out of the bottle and saving the day is what counts and it's like no that's that specific idea that like it doesn't matter if you do bad things because as long as you get you catch the criminal at the end of the day or as long as you you know beat the bad guy teach i feel like teaches people a really bad lesson about like you how easy it is to to kind of get yourself out of negative cycles is -hmm. to do a good thing like do a good deed and then you'll be fine and it's more that just like i've seen that plot in so many films even like detective fiction is, is full of like this guy's a mess, but you know, he had one more job and he got the criminal and that's all that he, now he gets a big reward and he's off being good again.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I agree that there's something a little off about it. And the way that Sinclair is kind of like, um, in the end, he's like, you know, uh, just next time, promise me that you won't fight it alone. Okay. And Garibaldi's like, yeah, all right, you got me next time. I'll tell you if I'm going to slip back into alcoholism um it's like no you're not (laughs) and they're kind of treating it as this like you know well this time was weird but obviously it's not going to lead to another time and it's not going to happen again and yeah it just seems like a kind of tv approach to addiction and what that looks like and what that means for people's lives
0: yeah. And, and, and this is also an episode where earlier the way he expresses his rage at the situation, like when he realizes that the system is working against him is he's trying to reclaim some sense of control, mm-hmm. uh, which is a big thing. And alcoholism is like trying to have control over something that you can put in yourself. Um, he is doing his rounds as he is a you know, I guess he's like the cop of Babylon Five, one of the head ones. And he sees this like amateur criminal who's like stealing someone's credits and he like gets extremely violent with the guy and like throws him against the wall and like starts beating the crap out of him. Yeah. And then Sinclair is like, Whoa, 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 buddy, that's where you go too far is when you're beating up other guys. But beating up yourself, whatever, we all have our bad days. Like, that's fine. Just don't punch yeah. criminals, man. Don't do that. And it feels like they're they're letting him get off with, with sort of like abusing his power to to cope but not um, the fact that he is uh, or doing the opposite. Like not letting him get off with that but on the other hand he does things that are clearly also bad for his job. Like having an alcohol problem makes you a bad cop. Right. I mean I think
1: it, it, it makes sense for Sinclair's character to not be responding to that very well though because he has his own like internal struggles and is not really taking the best care of himself psychologically. So I'm I'm not surprised that Sinclair kind of has like a myopic understanding of addiction.
0: Sure, but then the issue is that nobody else confronts him in this episode. Because we already know that Ivanova is like, ugh, whatever, Garibaldi's a mess and who cares. And if anything, when he's running around talking to like Lando and and Jakar, they all like they like him a lot. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of brought up this question to me of like, what did Garibaldi do in the past to make people like him? Like, you know, yeah. he's a charming mess, and that is a character that you see in everything. But uh, like specifically, these are like ambassadors on a ship who are like, yeah, this head of police, that guy's a good guy. I'll, I'll, I'll throw him a solid. Like, I believe it's Shakar who like offers. To stow him away in Narn space, he's like, if you need a place to hide for a couple of years, I'm totally willing to let you hide with the Narn. And it's like, wait, but like, what has Garibaldi ever done for you? I don't. Well, I haven't I think seen Jakar that. In the would
1: show. just would get uh, would sort of get off on like stealing away one of the key players of Babylon Five and turning him into a Narn guy. <laughs> I think he just he wants to win in that way. Um, I was sort of struck by how, for some reason, everyone was like, the presidential security people were like, ah, oh, Garibaldi, his only friends are Sinclair, Ivanova, and, and Londo. And it's like, wait, really? They're I didn't know they were friends. Yeah, I know, I've never and, seen,
0: and they were all very, like, Garibaldi. I definitely don't see him and, and Ivanova as friends, right? Right. <laughs> it just seemed
1: kind of um like a retcon uh-huh. that garibaldi and londo are these like kindred spirit guys
0: i think they literally say that line yeah basically for each other. kindred spirits yeah um it it, it definitely does well because maybe it's supposed to be read as like sad is that they're like these are his only friends and they barely like him right. uh and and so maybe there's a little bit of intention. comedy Hmm. um but yeah, it's it's kind of hard to see, at least from what we know about both these characters, like what relates Londo and Garibaldi other than, I believe it is in that same scene where um Londo is like, we're both, uh, we are both, as you say, the odd man out, which is mm-hmm. like a good Londo line. Um, and he's talking about how like we both are isolated from our societies based on our views and our ways of living life. And that, and I can respect that in you. And I want to see you do well because it, I, re- I see myself reflected in you. Yeah. And I can relate to that, and I almost I think that's more a good moment for Lando than it is for Garibaldi hmm so if anything, I would say my conclusion out of this episode is like I'm learning more about Garibaldi's relationship to other people on the ship than I am about him himself,
1: yeah, that's fair um, yeah i the just one more thing on that alcoholism thing, yeah uh, i've n I don't think I'll ever like someone acting like they're drunk
0: yeah Yep. i don't think it'll
1: ever feel real or look right or be good
0: the only accurate portrayal of people being drunk is like everyone's drinking but we're still acting because the way actors talk to each other in stuff is already how drunk people talk it's just like heightened and a little bit exaggerated they're Mm -hmm. already doing that right so that's where it would be realistic is if they were just like we're drinking and now we're talking like we always do but no this is like him falling over himself and like slurring and like seeing two of everybody. And it's like, no, that's not... Uh, TV yeah. can do better than this. You know that they it can just, do better it's Because like
1: emotion... Like when an actor is portraying an exaggerated emotion, I can believe like, oh, maybe they're actually feeling that to a certain extent. Or they're drawing on like a moment in their lives where they felt that way. Mm-hmm. And so there's a reality to what they're doing. But that drunk acting... Like, nobody's drawing on the on the sense memory of the time that they were, like, stumbling drunk. Maybe some people are, but I don't think that they would have had the self-awareness in that moment to understand what it looks like. And so, to me, it just feels like drunk acting is everybody's doing, like, a parody of drunk acting that they've seen other places.
0: Right. I mean... As an improviser, have you ever like isn't there a thing about like they don't like to have you do stuff like that like acting drunk in the scenes because it's like easy? Or... Um
1: yeah, I mean, I it sort of depends on your point of view, I guess. I I generally just don't think that it's funny. Like I I just don't think that it's funny when characters are drunk or on drugs mm-hmm. or something. Other people would disagree. Uh so like I try not to be high or drunk. Because I just think it's lazy and not funny.
0: And in Um, this, it's not supposed to be funny, is my other problem with it. Is that it's portrayed as funny, but it's not a funny thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, there's, like, very good ideas in this episode. And then it just kind of, like, stumbles the landing, I think. Um, And I don't... (laughs) I guess pun not intended. But, like, it it just kind of... it, It walks itself into a corner with all these ideas and then doesn't do anything with them except hand wave it. Because... You know, we could talk about like, oh, maybe Garibaldi like was already having problems and he forgot that he he like set up this this bomb by accident or something. Or maybe it had something to do with him in like the third degree. But no, it's just another guy who works for Liana and he's like a he's a racist. And yeah. his whole thing is, no, is it? There's because there's similar things in both of these episodes. This is not the one where the bad guys are the racists. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it's like the same. Those people from that other episode. Where they're like, oh, well, the president wants to... Yeah, because part of the reason he's coming to Babylon 5 is he uh, is going to work out trade agreements to, like, increase alien and human trade. And so the racist group um, is like, nope, screw that. Or or
1: or whatever they're called.
0: Yeah, they have a good name, and I can never remember what it is now. What are uh, they called? The Earth... Earth Force, no. Earth Force is the actual, like, the, the people on Earth. Home guard. Home guard. Home guard. Yeah, the home guard people basically have they have a guy in there in the which is weird. How did you get like <laughs> no checks? Like when he got interviewed, like hey, mm-hmm. you're gonna work for basically like the CIA. Let's hope you don't hate the president real quick. Mm-hmm. Let's not do like a background check on that at all. It's fine. Um, and Garibaldi stops him, and then the like there's the classic. Dumb, like, I hate, this is one of my least favorite dramatic effects, but there's a countdown, and he's like, stop the countdown. And was like, why? It's only, it's only on five. Like, whoa, what, what's going on? Four, three, two, one. Okay, stop now. <laughs> stopping on, and it <laughs> says, like, stopping at one second. It's like, <sighs> and then, yeah, he gets it to stop, beats the guy. Congratulations. Garibaldi's good, I guess. And then... <laughs> Really funny that the way we know that Liana is now okay is she lets her hair down. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like a really... Yeah. I don't like that. I don't think that's good, guys.
1: Yeah, just the misogyny of that.
0: Like, now she's, like, a girl. Now she's, like, a girl. Yeah, like, now
1: she's cool (laughs) because she's not, like, all All stuck up and, like, trying to be a man as a military man. It's really gross.
0: Now she's, like, super friendly and... Like, weirdly, bad scene, good line out of Garibaldi. Um, the show always has to have, like, 11 endings, and this is one of the endings where he says, yeah. for now, that's all we can do, survive and somehow forget how much it hurts to be human. Hmm. Which is, like, a bit wordy, but good line. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's good. Um, that's also a sort of, like, damning indictment of Garibaldi's character. He's like, let's just forget. I just, I can't. Instead of reckoning with my problems, let's just, like, not... Let's just try to keep going. Yeah. And I hope I hope he can. I want to see him do well, man. That's like I want to see him not just brush his problems away and like save things once. I want him to be long-term good, obviously.
1: Yeah. I think I just had a thought about that
0: alcoholism thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I just wanted to
1: see because you know that if it's like brought up, he's going to drink. Of That's course. just how it goes. It's mm-hmm. TV. I would have wanted to see a scene where, like, he tries not to, but he has to, to blend in or something. Like, what bothered me about the fact that he drank in that moment is that the danger had passed, and he was fine. And then the guy was like, do you want to get drunk? And Garibaldi was like, yeah, sure.
0: I definitely, I super do. <laughs>
1: um. Or I would have wanted to see it positioned narratively, like right after a moment where he has a really troubling run in with Liana Mm -hmm. to feel what he's feeling. Because up to that point, he seemed completely composed. And that is what's bothering me about it.
0: Yeah, like he had a bad day. Yeah. or He had a bad, not even a bad day, a bad minute.
1: Like right. and it was, like, but oh, he that made conversation it through and it was fine. Yeah, I don't know. And maybe this is like also kind of a misunderstanding or an oversimplification of addiction and how it works. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just want to understand his interiority in that moment when he makes that choice a little bit more, because it is so central to his character that he like believes himself to be reformed. I was really struck by that line when Liana says, "I, uh, you're like you haven't changed at all." and then garibaldi says I, th- I thought i had yeah like that that is really meaty to mm-hmm. me but i just didn't feel that in the decision that he made anyway
0: right yeah well yeah basically it just it comes really close this is all this is all going back to the point of like it comes so close to doing it right i i almost think if we're gonna just play episode writer like we do um like do this whole episode have him be the hero and then have him slip back into alcoholism because he's like I had a good day I I deserve this and then like slipping into it from that aspect cuz like a bad thing happened to you and you started drinking is so rote and often not how it works in real life it's often like a comfort like a creature comfort for mm-hmm. people who have that that sort of problem of like well I guess I'm doing well I-, I don't know maybe that's that's just how it's been for people I know who have had these who have these problems yeah. but yeah, uh, you know i'm not the writer of the show um i have some stray notes do you uh no go for it word uh i thought it was really corny that the cold open ends with sinclair being like oh my god and there's just an, an astronaut slowly flying into the void of space dying <laughs> it's like clearly supposed to be like oh my god one guy died shit yeah and the whole like oh my god one guy died is handled flawlessly in the next episode, but it's just like yeah, oh no anonymous so much. Yeah. anonymous astronaut man who cares? This episode started a, tr- a trend this week of 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 Jakar being really angry about really small things. Um, in this episode, he's like furious about the seating arrangements at the meeting. Um, he's like the Narn are gonna be sat next to the the blah, blah blah blahs. They suck. They're disgusting. We're gonna have problems, Sinclair. You're not listening to me. I I'm gonna file a complaint. And he's just this very <laughs> frumpy, just angry person all the time. And I do adore him. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about this, but Liana, the way she finds out that it was Garibaldi is there's a guy in the medical wing, and uh, she like force revives him, which is kind of dark um again something they don't have any time to deal with but everyone's like you're not allowed to do that she's like too bad he has information and like if he has info and he was already going to die then is it really illegal it's like yeah yeah it's super still is so you can't just (laughs) that's not like probable cause that's not how that works uh and his last word he's like they're like who did it garrett baldy and that's of course his like final words um good visual detail there is a scene where Garibaldi's like in a in like a fun uniform in a, in the Zocalo in the bar, yeah. uh, and then they we cut from a shot of people playing like 3D night wars at the bar, hmm. and it was sick. They're just like sitting. It's exactly like the scene in um in the first Star Wars movie where they're like in the cantina. I mean, it's probably like basically a reference to that, except instead of monsters, it's like like medieval knights slashing at each other with some corny effects and then they're like yeah yeah I'm and they're like using dumb game controllers it's good uh-huh. nice. uh love me sci-fi video games and then yeah my final note is just that i thought it was cute that the bar in the down below is called happy days d-a-z-e yeah, and the signs flickering yeah exactly and the and way it,
1: you get in is there's no
0: password you're just like open the goddamn door <laughs> that's the password basically <laughs> and he's like when he's leaving he's drunk and he's trying to get out he's like you're all the best damn people i've ever met everyone here is amazing yeah, I wish uh, that had gone for like ten seconds
1: less and it would have been a pretty good moment.
0: Yeah. I, I, I wanna see I I love the down below. I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so weird and good. I, I at first I was like, Oh, there's so much they can say about like uh class systems on the ship and like uh the problems that are allowed to fester in places like that and now it's like, no no, it's just like hilarious, hilarious cantina aliens basically down there.
1: Yeah. Cuz the Zokolo is where you dress up problem. and look nice.
0: Yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: I don't know, maybe that's a problem. That right now it's just sort of funny, but I'm sure that won't be the case forever.
0: Yeah. Cuz the Zokolo is where you like get a fancy suit and meet your date and like talk about big problems, but then you go into happy days and it's like I'm ready to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy, easy shorthand. Yeah. Um, but that's uh what I got We received one email this week, folks. Yeah. It's a good one. It's another one from our buddy Dan. Uh, You can read it.
1: This email comes to us from Dan concerning the episodes we covered last week, Deathwalker and Believers. First, Dan says, the thing about Deathwalker is that it was initially meant to set up a couple of different plot threads, but some things got changed around later and those threads got left dangling. So instead, it just becomes a minor exercise in world building by establishing who the Dilgar were and how humanity jumped in on the fight and earned a few galactic street creds. Oh, so maybe that doesn't become something. We were sort of hopeful that it would. Hmm. It's not a complete throwaway, though. If nothing else, we learn that there actually is something out there that the Vorlons have, have strong feelings about and that they'll go to pretty drastic lengths to express those feelings. It's curious that they're not against immortality per se, but against races achieving it before they're ready. It's also pretty telling that the only thing that anyone can really say to the Vorlons in response is, well, I guess that's the end of the discussion. As for believers, I recently watched an interview with David Gerald, the writer of that episode. He said that the Babylon powers that be came to him and asked him to write this story and he was like, no way, everyone has this episode and I don't want to add another one to the list. After some prodding, he finally agreed to do it, only on the condition that the kid would die.
0: Respect.
1: <laughs> um, you guys have inspired me to enjoy a rewatch, but you've also poisoned the experience this time <laughs> around. Oh, <Uh-oh. Uh-oh. laughs> oh no! oh Oh, this part's funny. Now I can't unsee every time an episode has multiple endings. <laughs> 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 when I see it now, I can't help but cringe. Magellan read ahead a bit to the ridiculous synopsis of the episode TKO. I can only say two things about that. It's got a it's got a decent B plot, and you won't actually be watching it for a while if you follow the Lurker's Guide suggested episode order. Hmm.
0: Interesting.
1: So, that puts things out of order in season
0: one. Yes. Couple things to tackle. Um regarding uh the Vorlon stuff, I just yeah. need more Vorlon stuff. If we don't get, if we get to the end of season one and I've learned nothing new about the Vorlons, I'll be very disappointed. Yeah they're just they're just like they're like incredibly powerful we know nothing about them they are one like sixth of the ambassador races on the ship Mm -hmm. I just I need them Uh, much respect to David Gerald for being like yo if they're gonna do this let me kill the kid that's actually I like respect your sort of commitment to that Um, the whole like multiple endings thing is just I can't how do you not notice that it literally (laughs) uh, and maybe it has to do with the fact that since we're watching this on a streaming site um, it shows you how much time is left so right, you're like, oh, right, all right, so. we're wrapping, we're wrapping up. It clearly this is Act Four of a TV show, and then it's not done, and then there's one more, and then that's not done, and you're like, and yeah. <laughs> the episode guys, yeah, um, and then finally, yeah, the so here's our thing about the Lurkers Guide episode order is it's it's not it's not necessarily that it's a lot of work to watch things in the recommended order, but. I don't know about you, but I've generally like to say that I prefer watching things in the order they came out and then figuring out recommended order from there and kind of think and understanding it.
1: Yeah. I think what we did for um, when we watched Farscape, we Uh just watched it in the Netflix order. And then we talked about the air order. Right. Um, But I think actually that, the air order would have made more sense or something than the Netflix order.
0: Well, yes, the, the Netflix order was really sloppy in a couple seasons, but, um, this is more a problem. Like maybe we can reconsider this for, it's like season two onward, but for season one, these are all very self-contained episodes. Um, and like, there's little continuity between them, but like, for, for example, Uh, oh, sorry.
1: No, I just, I think there's value in us saying what the lurker's guide order is. Um, I think it's easier for us if we just watch it in the order that it's on Amazon just because that's how people can consume it by just hitting like play next on their thing. Um, And I don't want to make people have to break out like a chart to figure out what we're talking about next week. But I think that we should talk about this order that's suggested because I, 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 I find it interesting discussions of what order you should watch things in or what you should watch first. Um, Mm -hmm. that's always something I like to think about with regard to TV shows, um, because they're a medium where people can like be introduced to them at, in any episode, any episode can be someone's first. And so it's a really delicate thing to think about what order things should be watched in and what the different options are and all that.
0: Right. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth considering, but I think it's just part of it is I just, I also want us to kind of attempt to mimic, what the viewer was enjoying at the time. yeah, But, sure. uh, like, how they were consuming it. But, uh, the Lurkers Guide Order was specifically endorsed by J. Michael Straczynski. Um, and I think, yeah, like, there are, li- they're going to be little continuity things that were like, oh, like, for example, this episode that we just talked about took place in June. By any means necessary, it took place in May. So, you know, Garibaldi didn't have to deal with any of these serious problems when he was also dealing with the worker strike. They don't, they don't follow those plans up together. Hmm. Um, but, uh, that's like, uh, you know, according to the, the wiki order. Um, I'm trying to look right now to see the difference between the Lurker's Guide order and season one on Amazon. Yeah,
1: I've got the Lurker's Guide pulled up.
0: I think so... it's the same up to believers in Survivors. Yeah, we're still good. We're still on it. Yeah. name is necessary. Signs and Portents. And then it's after Signs and Portents that it, it messes up. Because hmm. technically they recommend you watch Grail then Eyes, then A Voice in the Wilderness, Parts 1 and 2, then Babylon Squared, Equality of Mercy, then go back and watch TKO, which is the deadly martial arts competition one that we're goofing about, and then Legacies, and then Chrysalis, which also is kind of like very different on the Amazon order.
1: Wait, so this... Sorry, so I'm looking at this. This order Uh is the order you should watch it in? The one that's here on the Lurker's
0: Guide? It says up top, due to production constraints and other factors, several episodes were delayed, shown later in sequence than intended. The effect isn't major, but there are minor things that make more sense if viewed in the intended order. JMS has given this order his blessing for seasons one and two.
1: So it's not about... Because it looks like these are in order of air date. Or am I reading this wrong?
0: Are we looking at the same page? Because there is an air date listing uh, on the Lurker's Guide, and then there's also a recommended... Air the one I just linked to you is the is the order that is like the bet the j m s order which does differ from air date order uh it looks the same unless
1: I'm reading these dates wrong
0: no it it differs after after signs importance signs importance uh okay okay that's where it it gets kind of weird I see so now is the time to talk about that because, um, because next week signs is when we would be breaking. Next week.
1: Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I think let's just stick with the air order.
0: Yeah. And then we'll talk about it. We'll talk about how it's different. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll just stick with the air order for next week. So we'll do signs and portents and we'll do TKO. Right. Uh huh. And then people can sort of give votes. They can you can send in your thoughts via email, and if you think that we should do it the lurker order, then we'll only have gone off by one episode, and we can correct for that.
0: Right. Yeah. Where's the episode? Yeah, signs of importance next week. That's a big one, so we definitely want to watch that one. Yeah. Soon. That's like the season plot. Yeah. But yeah, cool. I'm glad. I'm glad we have talked about this, and then we'll see again for season two because I think that one's more important. Like how it changes in three and four also have Mm -hmm. different order so cool um thanks folks we will be right back and thank you dan again for the email uh we'll be right back after a brief musical break to discuss by any means necessary
1: Welcome back to Chatsalon 5. The second episode we watched this week was Season 1, Episode 12, By Any Means Necessary. It was written by Catherine M. Drennan, directed by Jim Johnston. It aired May 11th, 1994, and it take, takes place in May of 2258. Alan, what
0: happened in By Any Means Necessary? Well, Magellan, I'm very glad you asked, because in this episode, an accident in the docking base starts a series of problems on Babylon 5. The dock workers demand better conditions or they'll go on strike. Shakar has to get a... Re- <laughs> Meanwhile, Shakar has to get a replacement Jiquan Jaquan mm-hmm. plant for an important religious ceremony. Mm-hmm. Magellan, what did you think of By Any Means Necessary?
1: I, you know, as I uh, have been teaching American history, uh, this is my second year teaching it, I've become more and more interested in the parts of American history that have to do with like lower class resistance to corporate authority and to the federal government authority and, you know, like commie shit,
0: uh, (laughs) good, good commie shit. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I've especially become really fascinated about the, the place that labor unions have come to take or not to take in our modern society and how integral they were to, American life in, in other eras and other decades, like how much of, of a all out war it was really between corporations and unions for control over, over the workplace and how unions have essentially lost that fight um, and are continuing to lose it. So mm-hmm. I'm always fascinated by depictions of unionization or depictions of strikes in media Because it makes you wonder, you know, how complicit is television in, like, giving us a certain understanding of what unions are like? Complicit in, like, uh, (laughs) in subjugating us to, like, capitalist control. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So this episode got those those pistons firing. (laughs) And I liked it a lot. But also it kind of, the moral of the story is, hey, union workers, don't fight, don't get violent, because that makes you lose all credibility. Instead, wait for the very nice paternalist military man um, to take care of you, and everything will be okay.
0: Yeah, it it comes, it, it does so much right. The problem is that this isn't a TV this is occurring in a TV show that has a protagonist and at the end of the day yeah. we have to be like yo but check out what Sinclair did for everybody though. Like yeah. really you can kind of watch this episode and just follow Sinclair and it's just it's like the longest day in the life of uh right. of him. Right. Uh what is his first name again? I want to say it's Rick, it's not Rick. No, it's Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> the day a day in the life of Jeffrey Sinclair. Like he's just running back. He spends this whole episode running back and forth. Like strikers, chill government, chill. Jakar, Londo, fucking go away. Hmm. (laughs) Stop talking. Um, you guys need to do this. You do this. Just like very panicked, very like hurried at the end. He's like, I haven't slept for two days. Hmm. (laughs) Everyone's stressed. I'm stressed. Let's think about me. I'm where I'm freaking out. Can you guys all be chill? My mom was a Jesuit guys. I understand Hmm. how religion can kind of influence life. Let's, be cool i did it i'm good like it kind of at the end of the episode is like yo you know who's great sinclair you know who's right. less great the people who were gonna start riots bad right. and the government bad And it's like don't don't both sides this vow on five and while saying that i also really appreciate that when he gets the power of the rush act it's sort of this plot device of you know, once the government determines that the striking is illegal, they can enact the Rush Act, which is, like, a really old uh, piece of jurisdiction that says, you know, once striking is getting violent and or completely considered illegal, uh, the government has the right to, like, seize and assault and everything to these workers. Like put an
1: end to it by any means
0: necessary, is the language it's of the, the law. Right, which is where our episode title comes from.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, you could... So I sort of like took a cynical view of the ending and of Sinclair being the the hero. You could also take a, a more optimistic view that the episode is trying to say, look, if you entrust someone with, with enough authority to actually negotiate with unions instead of, uh, you know, trampling on them, maybe they could make rational decisions that are good for everybody and we could have a society that works. Um, so it could be seen as a kind of like idealistic episode in that way, if you want to be generous to it, which I think is valid. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. Uh, I just, you know, I think we should put on our red hats and and be critical of it a little bit.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's, and that's what we do here, right? Um, There is so much that's handled well though, with that union conflict and with the people getting angry, Um, I think it's fantastic that the way the episode starts is yet another Narn that sounds like David Cross is like, hey, you got to let us get in there. Like, seriously, like we deserve to get in first. And the lady, I think it's Ivanova or whatever, is like, you guys, there's like an order to things. We can barely hold this many people in the cargo hold. He's like, no, fuck that. Get them out of the way. We're getting in. And then she's like, all right, it's probably going to go bad. And then (laughs) it goes bad. There's a crash and a guy's brother dies which is handled very well. He's praying for him in Spanish. Dude. And it's really great that we're, we ha- We have these actors and these characters in the show, uh, people of color working for the man. Like this is, this is what life often looks like, uh, and working in these labor jobs. And this death is like completely brushed under the rug. They're all you hear from these like hand wringing government people is like, it's one death. This happens all the time. We're working to compensate him We don't have the money to give you guys more, better hours or, you know, better equipment. We just, we can't make money appear out of nowhere. That's impossible. Right. And, like, I've heard that. I've heard that exact type of dialogue in my own job when people are like, why are we understaffed? Why is this job not uh, more efficient and working better? And it's like, well, because it puts money in people's pockets the way it is right now. That's just, unfortunately, the nature of things. Like. Their their thing is like, yeah, you guys don't have the money, but when it's time to do military spending and buy us guns, you suddenly have the money. What are you saying there? And then they're like, hey, shut up. If you guys keep doing this, we're going to have to beat a lot of strikers up. And that's really messed up.
1: Right. And it's, really what, what it is, is we have the money for military spending because we use the military to suppress and replace you <laughs> when you try to get out of line and fight for what you deserve. Because... We can just replace you with somebody else who will do the labor.
0: Exactly. And like, yeah. it's it's always, it's all about deference. Like this type of conflict is always about like, it's not my fault that you guys don't have the money. It's not your fault. It's the other guy's fault. Right. I think one of the guys says the line, political realities sometimes take precedence over good intentions. Like we yep. can't be good people. I want to be, but like, it's not my fault.
1: Yeah. Like and these other guys are making it really tough for me. Yeah. How, what am and I supposed to do? The other... Angle of that is what we see in the beginning of the episode when they're debriefing the incident. Jakar's there, and Ivanova's there, and Sinclair's there. Um, and what is the name of the leader of the representative of the dockworkers? Ne, what is it? Neoma. Neoma. Yeah. Um, and Neoma's there, and everybody's kind of taking this "Oh me, uh, this really sucks for me" attitude. Mm-hmm. Or is saying, Look, we're understaffed, we're underpaid, one of our people died. Sinclair is saying, Look, I got a tough job. <laughs> I gotta do a lot of different stuff. Ivanova's saying, Look, you know, I told him to go to this place and he didn't listen. And he I gave him the orders. And then Jakar saying, Look, we lost some cargo, man. It sucks for us. Nobody's willing to, like, empathize or admit that maybe it wasn't that bad for them. And Jakar, the actor who plays Jakar is so good. He's awesome at playing this, like, slimy douchebag who Hmm. turns on the the suave charisma ambassador thing. Um, Because when neoma mentions that someone dies his face kind of snarls for a second yeah yeah of like ugh i got to pretend like i give a shit about this <laughs> and then he like goes through the motions of that's such a tragedy blah 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 anyway by the way we lost cargo and it's seamless his transition back into saying but this is about me and my problems mhm and i just i think that's really great
0: Not not enough can be said about Andreas Katsoulis' performance as Jakar, because he's so good. So good. He's so good. Um, as like you said, as this like empathyless person who like I have my rules. I have my I did I did all my paperwork. I don't know what you guys are talking about. My problem this week is this fucking plant, which we'll talk about. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a great way to describe Jakar. Like he is devoid of empathy, but he knows exactly what it looks like.
0: Yeah, he's seen it before. Yeah. Well, I think him and Londo actually had this line. They're very similar characters, which is why it's so funny that they're going to kill each other. But, uh, you know, he says, like, I knew I tried peace and, and I've did, and I've been proven wrong over and over again that peace can work. So, like, why would I still believe in it? Why would I still right. believe in, like, helping people if, like, it never works out for me? I'm right. sure the Narn have had, like, terrible, horrible things happen to them all the time. And that's how you get a person like Shakar.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I just, I, w- I was really enamored with how many, all the different, like, takes on... Sort of the striking and how people view it and, and what they how they want to handle it and all the back and forth between Sinclair and the government people, um, mm-hmm. it's a funny note that J- Garibaldi, uh, like what what the way that the, they find out that it's a strike is uh, nobody's working, uh, because they all called out sick, and right. Garibaldi's like I've heard of this before, my the grandmother my grandmother was a Boston cop. And you're like, hell yeah. Get <laughs> <money."> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she knows all about that flu. Like, you know, I know that this works. And so it's sort of like, we're striking, but not really striking. And like, they go into the room where they're all talking and then they're just coughing, like fake coughing. Um, cause people know, people are adults. We know how, we know how these things happen. You can't say it. Cause as soon mm-hmm. as you say it, then you're making a point and you're, it becomes illegal. So nah. you just kind of have to not work and then hope that things get better. Um, I think all that stuff is handled extremely well. And, uh, you know, it goes places because they bring down, the government sends in uh, that just shit heel, just the worst, Oren oh, yeah. Zento, uh, truly one of the grossest humans mm-hmm. <laughs> that we've seen on the show so far. A pure evil capitalist, like perfect, bad, bad dude. We're talking gray suit, blue shirt. Isn't there a that thing that's like, black suit, red shirt is a red tie is like really likable. And that's why all the presidential candidates always wear it when they're running for president. Mm -hmm. There's a whole thing about like what you wear defines how people think about you in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. in psychological ways. Um, But yeah, he's just like this garbage human who's like, no, they don't, we don't have the budget to pay them so they can shut up. None of them are allowed to strike. Don't let them strike. I'm going to bring the rush act out. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And he just hovers this like corporate mandate over everybody and the Sinclair is stressed out. And then I like how it all, it does finally come to a head, though. And everyone like we don't actually see that much violence at first. We see a brief moment where Garibaldi comes in in his full riot gear, which kind of made me scared. Yeah. Being like, shit, that's Garibaldi, guys. That's like the guy yeah, we're supposed to like. like. Guy, yeah. And he's about to
1: he's about to. Like hit people with his club. And he's about to assault some strikers. Submission.
0: Exactly. Like and 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 he clearly was batting an eyelash at it it's not like he's doing it without without any qualms but he's going to do it right and sinclair walks in at the last minute and says hey guys and it's kind of funny that like in Babylon 5 the way you solve problems is that you really read the letter of the law because he's like as soon as you declared the rush act you gave me power because i'm the head of the ship and i use the rush act to say Pay the workers. (laughs) Hooray. Christmas
1: is here.
0: (laughs) You get a paycheck and you get a paycheck. And the guy's like, what about my dead brother? And he's like, uh, uh, (laughs) shit. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Can't do anything about a dead person. It's both funny and sad to me that this takes place in 2258, but they haven't figured out labor yet. Right. Yeah. I... I don't like know. sometimes I they forget that ending... Babylon Five is a sci-fi show, right? I thought this
1: ending was cute, but mm-hmm. it like totally is dodging the issue. Yeah, right. Because the real solution is not like we'll give you this one thing. It's like they should have a union and they should have the right to strike when things are messed up. And there shouldn't be this law that says that like at
0: any point we can just arrest everybody. That's it's fucked up. It's really bad. Right, like, and and this comes with being a sci-fi show. Is like, if you're gonna sh- like, kind of put a lampshade on a problem that we have in the real world, then come up with a solution. You can do that. You get you get to work in the future, but like, there's a law that lets them assault uh, riders. We have that in real life. You right. can just do. They can just do that. The police can do that as soon as it's determined to be a strike. They're allowed to do that. It happens, or even if not, they just do it all the fucking time. Nobody strike. Hardly anyone gets to strike anymore because of stuff like that. And it's just
1: this, i that moment is so weird when um, somehow, for some reason, like the person at fault is the guy's brother um, and Sinclair's like, and hey, Garibaldi's not going to press charges, even though you punched him. And then Garibaldi's like, we can just say it was a fair fight, right guys? And everyone's yeah. like, yeah, totally. We're best buds with the security people who we're going to bash our skulls in.
0: Yeah. Cops. Fucking cops.
1: It's so, it's nuts, man.
0: Yeah, and, and him saying, like, the specific line I think that you're referring to is, like, we are going to uh, not press any charges on anybody who didn't actually commit a crime while they were striking. It's like, right. oh, no, yeah, so so someone's going to jail. Like, yeah. uh-huh. For sure, somebody in that scene got, like, brutally injured and is the other person's gonna get sent to jail for life, probably. Right, you Can't do anything about that. Sorry, guys. Here's some money. Like, we're and, gonna and defer it, spending uh, to you.
1: You know, it's cute, like, the by any means necessary. And he's like, any means? Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah, yeah. Well, then these are my means. And then the guy's response is like, shoot, Fuck, you got no. me.
0: Darn it.
1: The, ah, pink Panther the pink, win
0: again. The Pink Panther drew a like a black hole on the wall, and the guy ran through. and He's like, "No, you got me again! I hit the wall, damn it! <laughs> I'm going home." Uh, and you know they try to reckon with with Sinclair making that choice. Like uh, the senator that he talks to throughout the show on uh, like his little computer mm-hmm. is like, "Dude, the government like hates you. Like somebody's probably out to get you now because you like made a bad decision." And he's like, "That's sick. I'm glad." I'm glad the government hates me. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad
1: I, I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah, that I is actually a cool it's a up
0: setup. That. But like if you're going to do this episode well, if you're going to talk and you're going to be pro union, like this episode seems to be, then I
1: don't mm, I don't know if it's pro union. It's pro like
0: returning to the status quo.
1: It's pro like yeah, maybe they should get paid a little more. Uh, but I don't think it's like f- for workers'
0: rights. Right like if you were right if you were going to but what i'm getting at is like if you're going to go to that direction then talk about how yeah we're going to give them better hours and we're going to feed them and we're going to completely replace everything here and we're going to hold people accountable for not being able to do things like the rush act and not let that happen again like it's way bigger than this and it's bigger than the scope of this episode you know this is a huge problem that they would be dealing with but like make steps this 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 solution does kind of feel like ah uh, let's just let's get and he says like you guys are gonna get back to work and they're like yeah guys let's get back to work I'm like yeah mm-hmm. he's like get back to work right away like 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 five minutes ago guys I want you like I want you to have been working <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shit this yeah it's, it's 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 I applaud the effort I honestly this is the biggest yeah, thing with it's me just, it, it's just paternalistic and weird extremely and and this is like my whole thing with with Babylon five season one has been like. Doing something, you're trying something, yeah, you keep slipping, and I just I need you to do better than this because I'm yeah. getting disappointed and, and I think I'll...
1: it can do better for sure, and I think this episode was good, yeah, it's I fun. had it like as a piece of television entertainment, I enjoyed watching it, yeah, but if we're dissecting it as like a a political manifesto, yeah, it is uh poisoned
0: by capitalism, <laughs> as are so many things, yeah. Uh, there is a B-plot we don't have to dwell on for too long. Um, basically, it's just funny,
1: Londo and Jakar are being petulant.
0: They're being babies. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and the episode acknowledges that, where yeah. Sinclair tries to like give them some patience. He's like, what's going on? This is over a flower? Well, can't you just give it back to him? No, eh, no. he's not going to give it back to you. You stole
0: what? <sighs> <Yeah>. Ugh. <laughs> It's totally him as the concerned parent being like, can yeah. we just chill? And then they both read at like one point, one of the funny scenes in the episode is they both run into like the captain's room and Ivanova's there. And he's like, and and then also the journalist, like the person who keeps trying mm. to interview him is like, what do you think about this whole flower plot? And he's like, get everyone get the hell out in the next 10 seconds. And Ivanova like counts them all out of the room. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, that was
0: great. Stop being five-year-olds. Everyone be chill. The whole reason Lando keeps the flower is because it's funny to him that Jakar can't do his religious ceremony. Yeah. Like he's just a, there's no like malicious there it's only malicious intent. There's yeah, no yeah. like he's not gonna use it. He's like, I peed all over it. I used it in my teas, and that messed up Jakar. And he's like, Yeah, that's my religion, dog. Why? <laughs> and he gets no support. Like Jakar goes to Natoth, his his attache, and he's like, That guy stole my flower. And she's like, Dog, that's not my religion. I really don't care. Like it's a yeah. flower. Yeah. Which is super funny that like it's cool. They have multiple religions on uh uh on Narn. the Narn society, so like yeah. that's good. But it's just like, Hey, can you please give the flower back? the flower back? Can you promise to give him the thing you stole back? Okay. Let's be adults. Yeah. And then Lando basically like sticks his finger up his nose, like, Oh, but I I peed all over it. Like I I did what I need to do with it. <laughs> like, wait, what? Did you like yeah. lick the flower and then give it back? Well he like, got high off the seeds. Or, yeah, he yeah. he smoked. With, he, he lit one up with the flower. Yeah. Um, And then we actually get this cool scene. Like, the ritual is really great. Yeah. Um, It sounded actually very Christian, like the mm. way that he was chanting and stuff. I just because I've been to a lot of church in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Hozier have been taken to church. Um, <laughs> that song is so old. I'm so old. I was thinking about that recently because Spotify was like, here's the last 10 years of music that you've listened to. And I was like, stop. I don't yeah. uh, but yeah so that's kind of it it's kind of that, that that that's that like plot does not do anything other than continue to prove that these two kids are children these two these two ambassadors of society yeah well, there you go that's where we leave our our ship for this week i just want to go right back in man every time we finish talking about an episode i'm like i could watch the next ones right now yeah same so, speaking of the next ones, Magellan, what are, what episodes are we watching next week on Chats Five?
1: Well, sir, we are watching two more episodes of Babylon 5, as we always do. The first is Season 1, Episode 13, Signs and Portents. Londo finds a sacred Centauri relic. Pirate attacks on transport ships become more brazen. Mm. Mm. So, that's apparently a big one. Yeah, it's the it's title the name of, the of the season.
0: season. Exactly.
1: Then we're watching, and we we previewed this summary before, uh, Season 1, Episode 14, TKO. Babylon 5 hosts a deadly martial arts competition. Susan's family rabbi helps her deal with her father's death. Uh. All right.
0: <laughs> so again, if you have... Um, and I guess we can use this to segue into the plug zone, but... Let's do if it. You, if you uh, have... You have a preference for whether or not we should continue watching in the air order or switch over to the JMS-approved episode order on the Lurker's Guide, let us know. Chatspot at gmail.com or at Chatspot on Twitter. You can do that. Please also consider rating us on your podcast platform of choice so that people can hear about the show. And if you have a couple of bucks, we could really use your support over at patreon.com slash Chatspot. We also have bonus content for you over there if you back us at $2 or $5. You can get movie commentaries at $2.00. And you can get a bonus hangout show every two weeks on Five Bucks. It's a good time. We're watching Face Off for the month of November. So get excited for uh, eating a peach for hours. Majel, what is your chat for this week?
1: Well, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of time to watch TV um, beyond what we watch for this show. So the only other show that I've been kind of like keeping up with has been uh, an anime that we both love called My Hero Academia, which maybe we've talked about here before. Uh, And it just wrapped up its third season, the dub, the English dub wrapped up its third season. And if you uh, haven't been watching it, I highly, highly recommend it. It's one of my faves. Uh, It's about a bunch of high school kids who are just trying to be superheroes. And they're also trying to, you know, be better people. And uh, it's really good. So that's that. I recommend that.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's a, it's a difficult one to just sell on its premise. But if I tell you, like, if you're the kind of person that gets really emotional um, when people, like, succeed or, like, promise themselves that they're going to do better tomorrow and that kind of thing, this show is just going to just mess you up. It's always doing that kind of thing. Everyone's, like, constantly trying their best and struggling against the difficulties of living in society and all this good stuff. Very funny. I think it's honestly our modern generation's new, like, Cowboy Bebop in that it's the show you can recommend to anyone with very few qualms. Uh, Like, it has some characters that are bad, and it has some sort of, like, plot ideas that aren't handled necessarily perfectly. But, like, overall, very strong show. Very popular, too. So, if you want, like, it's, like, you'll be opened up to a whole community of fun friends if you want to get into it. For sure. Subbed or dub? The dub is fantastic. We both watched the dub. I've also watched most of it in Japanese. They're both very good. You can find it anywhere you watch anime. Good yeah. stuff.
1: Alan, what's your on this week?
0: Uh, well, John, I want people to try something physically this week if they have the oh, time okay. and opportunity. Um, well, physically in that like they're gonna not be sitting on a couch. Um, I want you to try. I, I recommend baking this week, guys. Oh, big boy, big boy. So here's the thing, uh. We are often, we talk a lot about how like it's the plight of the young person to constantly feel like we have to be busy and productive and all this stuff. And, you know, making something doesn't have to be content for other people. Making something can also just be like getting messy in the oven, in in the kitchen, and then like coming out with a whole ass cake. Um, I made a cake this week. I made a, it's called a white cake. Um, I had never made anything. I've never baked before at all. Uh, it's basically as simple as going to like allrecipes.com, typing in a food that you've always wondered if you can make, even if it seems scary and just being mm-hmm. like, do I have this stuff? Or like, how much is this stuff? Like individual ingredients are not expensive. You honestly, like mm-hmm. if you can get good at cooking or baking, you can spend less, way less money than buying the finished food Yeah, because you're paying for the the labor of finishing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just, yeah, honestly, the fun thing about making a cake, besides the fact that it's like inherently messy. Is you just throw shit into a pan- like a bowl and then you let you make a stir, you stir it up and then you throw that thing in the oven, and then a cake comes out. It's like magic. That's great. Um, you're just like eggs, flour, sugar, baking powder, not baking soda, which is a mistake that I made, and um, like water and milk or whatever. And then you yeah, you just stir that up a lot, and then 35 minutes later you have a whole ass cake. It's wild. How did that happen? Why did my cake have a hole in the middle of it? God only knows. So try it. Hmm. Get out of your hmm. I, yeah, get out of your comfort zone. Make something. Awesome. Your cousin would have made something. <laughs> nah. But yeah, thank you so, so very much for listening to this episode of Chatsalon Five. Peace.